Leadership File on Premier. Lovely to have you with us today. This is Andy Peck, your host, uh, welcoming you to stimulating conversation on leadership matters each week here on Premier Christian Radio and via the podcast. So this week, a question to start. What proportion of pupils in UK mainstream education have special educational needs? What would you guess? And what proportion of the population has a disability that affects their daily lives? Well, maybe like me, you are amazed to learn that 15.5% of pupils have special educational needs. And the proportion of the population with a disability is nearly 18%, according to the Office of National Statistics. It probably won't surprise you to learn that those schools do their very best to assist, and of course the special educational needs do vary, many parents find the challenges of supporting and caring overwhelming, especially at a time of national lockdown. So I'm very excited this week to be chatting with someone who has set up a charity which, in the words of its Chair of Trustees, aims to see families receive the health care support they require, regardless of background or circumstance, in offering free therapy services for children to reach their full developmental potential. The charity is called Growing Hope and it was set up in 2017. I'm joined this week by its founder, uh, Naomi Graham, who is CEO of the charity and is the lead therapist and clinic manager for Growing Hope at King's Cross in London. So welcome, uh, Naomi, to the Leadership Farm. Thank you. Thanks very much. Um, so my, my obvious question is, is your journey to setting up the charity, first of all? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm trained as an occupational therapist. So I work with children and young people with any kind of additional need, looking at all the things they do every day, washing, dressing, eating, playing, writing, concentrating, see if there's anything they find difficult and then how I can help make it easier. I think for me, the journey began probably you know as a student OT I did some work in Thailand and then after that a few days later did some work in India as well and in both of those places what I saw was just local churches supporting families with their healthcare needs but also being really open about their faith at the same time and I'd been doing placement and then was working in settings NHS settings and and then later on in private practice where that wasn't something you could do you couldn't talk about your faith during your your sessions and um you had to be really careful about what what you shared and I think I'd been attending KXC King's Cross Church for a while and one of the things that Pete Hughes often talked about was what's in your hands like what is it that God is giving you that enables that you could be using in your local community and that started me thinking about, you know, what I saw as an OT in, in Thailand and India and the impact that had on those local communities and thinking, you know, why do we not do that in the UK as the church? We have so much resource at our fingertips and there's a massive healthcare need. I was, you know, I'd been working in the NHS where there were long waiting lists and then I was working in private practice whilst I was studying and had families who had bailiffs knocking on their doors and yet they were still paying for private therapy because they just really wanted support for their kids so um all of those things were kind of coming together in a dream of what it could look like for the church to respond and then I, I had a, a picture during worship where um I basically felt like I saw children and young people and parents coming into this room and um 
like burdens dropping off them and children being able to make small changes like being able to respond to a simple question and and that making a really big difference to children's lives so I spoke to Pete and P Hughes about it at KXE at King's Cross and uh, you know a kind of year down that that journey had um found some trustees and set up a charity. Well that's fabulous to hear Jamie and uh I mean, it may be good to clarify some of the language I used in my introduction for those not familiar. Um, I said special educational needs. I used the word, I think I said additional needs. What, what, what's meant by these, this language for people unfamiliar? The, yeah, absolutely. So uh, additional needs or special educational needs, both quite broad terms. The way that I would view additional needs is, is anything that impacts upon someone's ability to participate in activity. So it could be a physical need, it could be a learning need, a mental health need, an undiagnosed need, but something that makes some of the things that they do every day difficult. So a, a real wide, wide, wide range. Sure. And and so uh, you had this, this dream and you went to Pete, and uh, the pastor of uh, King's Cross, uh, the Church of King's Cross. And... Um, uh, and what happened next in terms of, you know, eventually you've set up some clinics, but obviously there's a long journey between the birth of an idea to the actual completion of it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was definitely a uh, a long journey. It took, I think, probably a couple of years from kind of first point of conversation to when we actually had a charity. Um, it was initially, you know, creating a one-page summary of what it could look like and then... Um, a bit more of a detailed business plan and I think I was really encouraged by the fact that actually God had I had lots of things along the way which actually enabled me to have more skills than I realized that you'd need for setting up a charity and I think one of our things was about really being able to clarify okay what is it that we want to do and and how do we want to do that so I think the three things that we always talk about when we talk about growing hope is there a charity that aims to grow hope for children hope for families and hope in jesus and the hope for children is about providing this free therapy so it could be occupational therapy like that's what i do or physiotherapy speech and language therapy music therapy children's counseling etc um hope for families so there's actually often quite a real gap for families where children and young people may get support they actually don't oft, always get support. They might be on waiting lists for a very long time or not be receiving the intervention they need. Um, but irrespective, parents, carers, siblings, um, there's just often not enough resource within the NHS for support for those individuals. So we really want um, parents, carers, siblings, the whole family to know that they're valued and have the opportunity to share their experience and connect with each other through groups and courses and things that we run and then hope in Jesus so we're and that excites me so much that we get to be an openly Christian charity and we believe that Jesus brings hope in people's lives so very much integral to the model of of having a therapy clinic in a local church is that everybody has the opportunity to pray if they'd like to at the end of their sessions and also um, any lead therapist and clinic manager, so any clinic we run has someone who works on a Sunday and their role is is to be enabling church to become more accessible for those families who may connect with the church through coming to the clinic and then may want to come along to church after that. Sure, so you're the um, the lead uh, therapist and clinic manager for, for King's Cross in London. There's other, there's a place also um, near, well, not far from there, isn't there? 
as well? Yeah, so we currently have two clinics, one in King's Cross and then one in Broccoli with St Peter's Broccoli. Um, so actually also a, also an occupational therapist, Sharon, who's our lead therapist and clinic manager there. But in King's Cross, we the idea is that they can become kind of multidisciplinary clinics. So we currently offer occupational therapy, physio, speech and language, music therapy and children's counselling in our King's Cross clinic. And And we've been set up for the longest, so we set up... Uh, we've been running since February 2018, so almost three years, which is very exciting. Well, yeah. So what what kind of challenges are you typically meeting? What would be, you know, would there, would there be, a if you look at the, an average kind of challenge, or, or are they frankly so disparate that it would be impossible to say? I think um, if you look at additional needs as a whole, it's, yeah, very broad, and uh, we see a complete range of children in our clinics to be honest we see you know 0 to 18 year olds I think what we're trying to do and what we do often come across is children who sometimes fall through the gaps so um we see a lot of families who have children with autism because they don't always get that many services from from the NHS um I mean they they do get services but um not you know sometimes there there's more help required but it, it's to be honest it is a real range I think during lockdown and particularly over the pandemic we're seeing a real increase in mental health needs in our children and we're trying to to do our best to you know support children's mental health needs as well as all of the other things that we do right um and have there been uh, perhaps had hard to say but have there been situations where you thought frankly you know this is a bit beyond us I think I think there's always going to be a need. I think if you, you know, there's a researcher, um, someone called Horridge, who, who did some, a doctor up in Newcastle, who did some research a few years ago with families of children with additional needs. And it, it, within the survey, it was a survey across Europe, and I think it was almost 40, 40 to 50% of those families were meeting the UNICEF criteria for poverty and a really high proportion of them said they'd experienced a reduction in services within the last uh, 10 and 3 years. So I think, I mean, that just reflects the way that that things kind of are if you're a family of children with additional needs at the moment. So I think there's always more that we could be doing and um, I think particularly at the moment there's, you know, families really need hope and really need the opportunity to experience that hope so I think my heart is that we you know growing hope doesn't just stay in King's Cross and Broccoli but actually that it can be in more countries and um, more places across the UK. Sure well I, I understand from the website you're looking to uh, see 20 clinics set up by by 2030 which would be a fantastic thing wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the hope. And I think uh, the idea is, and, uh, you know, I think people often thought I was a bit crazy when I set up Growing Hope because I I really felt like that was the, the vision that God was giving me from the beginning. So when we set up, I actually set up the national charity and Growing Hope Kings Cross, the first local charity at the same time, um, with that vision always in mind that actually we didn't just want it to be one clinic on its own but we wanted it to be a kind of national national thing um that supported children young people and families across the uk and i think yeah what in the idea of doing that was that we created a really replicable model so we wanted to create something that you know uses church space and 
has minimal costs, the cost of kind of a salary, but doesn't cost too much to the local church because every clinic is its own lo- own local charity that also does fundraising. And um, yeah, that was the the vision. And, and I'm, it's really exciting. We're in conversations with potential churches across the UK at the moment. And um, yeah, outside well, of London, which is really good. Well, well, many, many national charities started just as you did, didn't they? So, um, so fabulous. So we're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Naomi Graham. She's the CEO of uh, Growing Hope. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Naomi Graham. She's the founding CEO of the charity Growing Hope, which particularly uh, provides uh, various kinds of therapy for uh, anyone who, who needs it. She's particularly based in, in King's Cross in London. But uh, uh, the, the vision, as we said before the break, is to have these kind of clinics uh, across across the, uh, the UK. Um, so to, to, just to, to look in terms of the strategy, Naomi, and you've... Uh, already kind of answered my question but I need to ask it again um, mm. you know the, the the wonderful thing about the UK church is that increasingly uh, it is offering unconditional uh, love and care for its community so it's no longer kind of barricaded behind its church building but it is getting out into the community and you're doing that wonderfully mm. uh, some of the, some of the critics of some of that connection with social action projects are saying well actually people don't come to faith through this you'd be better off doing other things that are, are less touchy-feely perhaps and and are more directed towards communicating the gospel so so that's one opinion others say well actually no if you if you look at conversion and trying to get people to faith then that's that becomes it stops being unconditional so what, what's your kind of philosophy how do you answer these kind of varying kind of critics of, of the kind of things that you're doing mm, i think for me hope in jesus is the you know, underpins everything that we do. And the reason I've set it up is because I love doing my job and I love meeting a healthcare need, but also I really love Jesus and wanted to be able to share the value that I think God has for each and every single person that we come across. So we've always made it very clear that anyone can access our services. Um, and But also that we are a Christian charity and that we always offer prayer. So at the end of every session that we run with any family, we always would say, I believe that Jesus brings hope in people's lives and he wants to bring hope in your life. And there's no pressure to pray if you don't want to, but is there anything you'd like to pray about? And amazingly, around 80 to 90 percent of people say yes to prayer. I'm, you know, blown away by by people's openness and many also engage in conversations about faith. We've recently had quite an increase actually in families coming along to church and um just last week actually I had a parent who came along to Alpha um, and is exploring faith and I think for me um, it's about trusting God's faithfulness I really feel like I'm doing something that God's called me to do and the way that Growing Hope works is something that you know enables families who otherwise would have no connection with church to come into the church building to hear about Jesus and and I'm then trusting that the seeds that are planted in that God will bring to fruition and, um, you know, whether that's short term or long term. And I think I think that's another important thing is that often it takes quite a while. The mum who's just come to Alpha, I actually first saw them maybe a year and a half ago. And um, we've kind of reconnected recently to help help their daughter. And I think you know it can take a while to build up the relationships where people feel like they they want to explore further 
I think you wonderfully answered both critics there very well, Naomi. So thank you very much. Um, so obviously we're looking, this is a leadership show and it's great to talk about the strategy of uh, the way you set this up. Um, but uh, obviously the leadership management challenges also uh, are worthy of comment. Uh, what are you learning mm. about leadership through this uh, whole process? So many things <laughs> could be the answer to that. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest learning that I've had is is probably around collaboration. I think as a pioneer kind of person, you know, I had an idea and and it was a kind of a clear thing of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I think um, particularly initially in the early days of Growing Hope, I found it a bit painful <laughs> to learn the fact that things like, you know, I wasn't always right. I didn't have to do everything on my own. I could ask others for wisdom um, you know, I was, I was able to ask for help. And I think, you know, I've recently become more aware of just how powerful it is to to really understand those things and to know that it is OK to collaborate and to share the load. And um, I think also really key to my whole journey is remembering that it's God's plan and not mine. Um, remembering that, yeah, God is the one who's who's helped, like wanted me to do Growing Hope. And that's why I'm doing it and I think recently I've really been reminded of that through our we've just done some work around our values as an organization and we've done some workshops and we've now got you know over 30 regular volunteers and six staff members um and it's been brilliant to be able to join with people to to set those up and led to the development of our values being around hope community courage innovation and generosity and I think I'm learning a lot about how we create an organisation that really carries those values in everything that we're doing, not just in in our kind of output, but in our internal, you know, processes as well. So it's, it sounds like the the key to it all is is that sense that God has directed you to do this, um, and therefore that gives you a kind of confidence and courage to just keep going and learning. Uh, and you're not this is not just a good idea because you wanted to. Um, you know, I don't know, reach people or, or or satisfy your conscience or whatever. There's a sense of of God being in it, and that's that's enabled you to um, to, to to forge ahead uh, as things have got tough. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, wouldn't it be where it is if it, if I didn't feel that? Um, it's it's wonderful to hear the range of uh, of things that you've been able to do um, and you're already in touch with uh, with churches who might want to set up a clinic similar to to yours where you are um, mm. but what would you say to some listening who are thinking crumbs yeah you're absolutely right uh, we know tens of therapeutic needs we've got friends who are on waiting lists for therapeutic help the social services are overstretched uh, the waiting lists are very long we can't afford private care uh, what what would you what would you say to those folk who who may be stimulated to do something similar to you um, uh, from where they are? Yeah, I think the kind of key is that you there are lots of things you can do without you know having a growing hope clinic. Obviously, if you want to set up a growing hope clinic, I'd I'd love to talk to you, and that would be amazing. I think even just thinking about the vision, you know, what it what is it that you're really trying to live out you know do you want to be a place where everyone can come whatever their needs and if that is true then 
thinking about how you can make adaptations to everything that you're doing in the day to day so that it's not just one thing for that person that comes on a Sunday, but actually everything that you do is more accessible for everyone. So, you know, practical things like having a clear like service order or using visual symbols, you know, using props or more multi-sensory approaches to engaging in prayer or worship or ministry having things people can fidget with in their hands thinking about your language you know uh, is your language accessible in a way that somebody who has a learning disability would be able to understand um, there are a few resources and things on our website and we we also offer training to help with specific things but I think often yeah, finding someone who might like to take the lead, who perhaps is a therapist or has some skills and accessibility that could give some pointers or someone who has additional needs themselves who might be able to give some ideas can often be helpful. I think the thing that I love is that we often see families start to come and that enables more and more change. I think one of the things I love that we've seen in King's Cross is that, you know, families have started to come to church who have children with additional needs and I have one parent who when she first came to Growing Hope she didn't um she hadn't been to church for three years or plus because of her son's autism and she felt like she couldn't bring him into a church setting because it was just too hard and we've enabled that to happen and and now there's a real part of the church community and they've invited other families along to church and we've seen those families come too and um it's just amazing to see the way that God can use just doing small things enable people to to be welcome in a really big way. Right. And and you didn't mention in that um, necessarily professional expertise. Obviously, if you're setting up a clinic, you'd want that professional expertise. But there are things that people can do uh, who who perhaps don't have that background. Absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think. Um, yeah, I've I've written a book as well called Love Surpassing Knowledge, which is all about that and about um, anyone in the local church just, you know, utilising what they have and, and enabling church to be more accessible just through some of those simple things. Like even even saying hello to people and asking them what they would like is a really good place to start. Yeah, wonderful. And and you also uh, connect when, when it exists, of course, with, uh, with the New Wine uh, Conference or gathering uh which uh is in peterborough but obviously uh in a different form this this coming summer yeah absolutely yeah and um i've handed on my role as as head of accessibility but accessibility is um massive within the new wine network and we really are doing our best to enable everyone whatever their needs to be able to participate and there are so many resources within the new wine network as well that will enable churches to to think about their accessibility well i have as someone who's got family who've been connected with that a little bit um just to say what a wonderful job you did and have done and uh, you know people don't can't speak highly enough of uh, the kind of care that you you give on that in the week of uh, whichever week they go for, for new wine so well done thank you thanks andy so uh time's defeated us sadly so uh, naomi's been fantastic to chat with you um really thrilling to hear of of the way an idea has been birthed and executed and then is is blessing uh, the lives of so many uh, with the potential of uh, of spreading uh, further afield and that's that's you know, leadership in action so thank you so much for all that you shared
No problem. Thank you. Uh, and so people could go to the website, uh, growinghope.org.uk? Yeah, exactly that. Growinghope.org.uk or email us, info at growinghope.org.uk. Uh, yeah. Follow us on social media, <laughs> any of those things, at growinghope.uk. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for all that you've shared today. Uh, and my thanks to you for listening, uh, whether you're on a podcast or uh, on Sundays at four. Uh, you can, of course, uh, as I often say, uh, go to the website and get download uh, archive material of the leadership file. We've got uh, over 100 shows there. Uh, it's been going much longer than that. We've been doing some 750 shows, so uh, been going a little while. Uh, and hopefully giving you stimulating material to help your leadership and help you to grow in what God has called you to do where he has placed you. So uh, my, my thanks to you for joining us and look forward to next time. God bless.